Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of the League podcast, the series where I, Jack, a.k.a. Jokic Joestar, am taking a look at the upcoming NBA season through the lens of the fans of each franchise. And today I am joined by Caleb uh, at the NBA Facts on TikTok, and we're going to be breaking down what 2024 looks like for the Dallas Mavericks. Caleb, how are you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. It's been fun. Keeping up with media, media day. The Mavs already had theirs, so... Just watching these other teams, seeing what Jimmy Butler's up to in his emo phase, but I'm pumped to be part of this. What a fucking goofball, <laughs> Jimmy Butler. You know, bring, I mean, geez, I didn't think he could top what he did last year with the big extensions, but I saw the emo stuff. That's even like in all the team. Yeah, he easily and topped stuff. it. And so, like, they're not. They're not going to have any promotional material that he's not in this season. So that rocks. Yeah, I think it's funny. Um, so hell yeah. Um, yeah. Did anything crazy happen with uh, the Mavs um, media day? So uh, yeah, so they, they had theirs last week, which was kind of, kind of odd. Uh, but Tim. Oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't even realize The that. only weird thing was uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Didn't really show up to the press conferences. I was listening to each of them which he's the guy who, like, could get traded on mm-hmm. our team, you know, kind of a big contract for who he is. Uh, but I don't know if you've seen that dropping dimes guy on Twitter that was, like, calling everything this offseason. And, he like, there's some fake accounts now, but you're trying to figure out which one's actually him. He tweeted something about Tim Hardaway getting out of here <laughs> on media day. So I'm, I'm kind of kind of wondering. Uh, but other than that, it, it was pretty low-key. Damn, the seeds, the seeds are being right. planted. Yeah. 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 So, shit, Tim Hardaway, you heard it here first, folks. His ass is getting out of Dallas, maybe. Um, Yeah, so leading into the first question here, I just want to know how you feel about where the Mavericks are currently sitting at as a franchise. Yeah, there's a lot up in the year. Like, we, in my opinion, we have one of the three, maybe two best players in the world right now, if not number one, really. It's probably him and Jokic, in my opinion. Um, I kind of envy the situation the Nuggets are in because they're similar. They got a young player at the top of the league but the nuggets are actually winning we missed the playoffs and like tanked on purpose um but right now we just <laughs> we have to win to convince luca uh to stay in dallas um and that's kind of where we're at and really nervous with that because losing him would kind of screw our next decade of basketball because we've gone all in on winning with luca so yeah kind of in a weird spot um just hoping to get that guy to sign another contract. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, that's the number one word I had at the top of my list here was just, it's the feeling is nervous when you think about the Mavs, just because like, there's so much pressure to make the correct decisions and to surround him with guys who can immediately contribute to winning. Um, And it's not uh, you like, there are similarities between uh, Denver and Dallas. It's just Luca. I mean, for all the stuff he's really good at, it's just like a different style of basketball, and it's a little bit more difficult to like find yeah. guys who fit that um, LeBron James role around him exactly. and stuff like that. And you saw the Cavs earlier in the 2000s yeah. have a similar problem building around LeBron, and hopefully it doesn't go the same way uh, that it went for Cleveland right. with Dallas. But yeah, it's just very nerve-wracking to watch uh, – I don't know, especially at the end of last right. season. I hope they come out and the vibes are better immediately because if you had asked me like if through the last 15 games, I'd be like, dude, Lucas, yeah, gone. But it could totally turn itself around here if, uh, 
I want him and Kyrie to like get off and just yeah. mesh well right off the bat and win games. And winning fixes everything a lot of the time as far as like the right. And like you start. said, like that LeBron role he's kind of playing um, offensively, he really is similar to like how LeBron plays. And we saw this work with Kyrie Irving uh, in Cleveland. It could be a different Kyrie, but you know, hoping we can get something like that going. We play the Spurs for our first. First game this season. I'm hoping we just crush Wemby and both those guys go for 40 just to, like, establish ourselves right away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's a very – that's a narrative-driven first game, I suppose, just in the sense that whoever wins, if you're coming out and Kyrie and Luka combine for 90 right. or some shit and they just crush the Spurs, oh, my God, are the Mavs, like, conference finals <laughs> Is Wemby box? a fraud? And then conversely, if the Spurs come out – yeah, yeah, exactly. And then if the Spurs come out and do it, the opposite is like, dude, Wemby. I mean, he just fucking smoked Luka first right. game. Oh, my God. Who's the real best <laughs> young player and stuff like that? So that's an exciting first match. ESPN is going to love that game. That's all I can say. They're going to have a heyday with that coverage no matter what happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And so, I mean, just looking ahead to, like, what it feels like there – uh the the last like bit I had on where the Mavs are at is that it feels like you're kind of gearing up for the first real year of mm. Luca's prime. That's just kind of like the vibe I've gotten this off season. And so it feels like a lot of the success because you have such a reliable guy there in Luca who's gonna come in and he's gonna average a ton of points, be a very effective offensive creator. The success of the team almost feels like it hinges on the retooling of the roster around him and Kyrie that they did this offseason, which there was a very substantial, I mean, they lost like five or six guys that were on the team yeah. last year. And so, I mean, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, um, I think we had to make moves once again, like that nervous feeling you were talking about trying to keep Luka here, had to do something to show him that like we're trying to move um, and trying to win. And it started with re-signing Kyrie. Um, Kyrie's media day was also great, which, like, I did not know what to expect because Kyrie Irving talking into a microphone. So, like, who knows what you're going to get. But he even said, he was, like, back in, I think, it's a draft question. So, I think it was 2011 when he got drafted. Um, He was like, I actually was hoping uh, the Mavs would be able to get me. I like their culture. I still like their culture. I want to stay here. It's it's all talk right now, but that's great to hear. Um, At the least, it's a very talented player next to Luka. which easily the most talented player he's played with outside of four-year-old Dirk Nowitzki. Um, And then Seth Curry, (laughs) he had a run in Dallas. Uh, He was great for us. He's a really um, great three-point shooter, which is exactly what you need next to Luka. The thing is you also need defense next to Luka, which we added in uh, Grant Williams. Super pumped about that. Um, And then our rookies I'm excited for too. Uh, Omax Prosper, one of the most unique names uh, in the draft. Uh, he's like a six nine <laughs> stopper who's obviously never going to be probably even a third option in the league. But that's what we need—a dude who can, you know, guard the best player on another team, and then lively just adds depth at our center position. So, yeah, I really love the additions. Dante Exum was hooping at, uh, in FIBA for Australia. Uh, he played with Josh Green, which was cool. Another Mav. Uh, so yeah, I like I like the retooling. I'm still nervous about uh, the center position, which. I can talk more about later. It's it's always rough in Dallas. We've had eight years of Dwight Powell. So, oh. yeah, <laughs> that's such a brutal yeah. phrase. Oh my God, eight years of Dwight Howell. 
Well, yeah, we'll definitely get to the center. Resigning Kyrie is the 1A uh, this offseason. And I was happy for them just because that, um, that was a move that you can't get a Kyrie Irving caliber player for cheaper than Dallas got just because of what was going on in Brooklyn with the fucking movie link and all of that shit. And I mean, that was an insane situation. It's cool that Kyrie in his own right has kind of toned it down a bit, which he absolutely, I didn't know if he was, yeah, I didn't know if he was going to do that, but he hasn't been like on social media, hasn't really been in the spotlight saying any crazy shit. And so if you're Dallas, that's all you can really hope for as far as the situation that you got him out of. And then to give up some of those precious assets that Dallas has for a guy like that and run the risk of him leaving, to avoid that is right. huge. That's like, that had to happen this offseason for Dallas. And the fact that it did, that's obviously really good. And I didn't realize he was drafted 2011. If they pick him up, uh, and I don't know, maybe it extends the Dirk run right. a little bit. Because Kyrie was pretty talented from the yeah. second that he got in the league and everything. But that's a cool, yeah, that would have been cool to see him go there right away. But yeah. I think uh, it's obviously very good that they picked Kyrie back up. And I'm very I'm excited because they played 16 games yeah. together last season. I didn't realize it was that low, yep. Luka and Kyrie. But they played well right. off of each other. Luka was like 38-8. and eight. Kyrie was like 27-5-5 and five very on 50-40-90 yeah. splits. I don't know. I, I don't know their exact record Not in good. those games, <laughs> but even if it was bad. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame it on uh, right. those two, because I mean that's what that's what you're bringing them in to do, and they filled their role out and everything. So that's where I'm talking. Yeah, the addition of a guy like Grant Williams, who not only is super connective and good defensively as an individual, but as a guy who has spent so much time in the Boston uh, yeah. locker room and with a team like the Celtics, that year in year out is a very yep. good defensive team. It's great to bring a guy like that in as like a culture changer who knows what it takes to make a unit that is really good on the defensive end. And so, yeah, I'm excited for him. I love Seth Curry uh, probably a bit. I wouldn't say too much, but sometimes I'm really high on him in the sense that like if Kyrie was to sit out a game or like he's hurt for a little bit. I'm low-key confident that Seth Curry could yeah, like step up and just fill a little like right. creator role. He's not going to average 27 no. points per season, but if you give him a five-game stretch, people are going to be like, oh, Seth Curry, 18 points, yeah. five assists, like 45% from three. Holy shit. So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was – and his contract yep. rocks too. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I remember being shocked that it was as low as it was because I thought he was really good in Philadelphia – he went to a Brooklyn team that really had no role for him and didn't get a lot of run. And I guess the market just kind of fizzled out for him. And Dallas, I think they got a good Yeah, I was there. super hyped to see that he landed in Dallas, like you said, with his shooting. Uh, and, then, and then Grant Williams, like, once again, I, I'm so pumped to have a guy like that on our squad. That's something we've lacked is, like, just, like, some toughness and a real leader. Um, not even a locker room leader, just a leader that can lead with toughness, I guess. It's kind of like the Draymond – or like Pat Bev type, not how they play, even just like their mentality is what I'm thinking he's going to bring to this team. Because, um, you know, on the Celtics, he kind of had a weird role. Uh, like some nights he'd play 25 minutes in the playoffs, some nights he was playing zero minutes. Something was going on there. So I hope he can really establish himself. Um, probably starting at the four for us, honestly, and just leading our defense and toughness, kind of someone to be um, 
there to stick up for Luca in whatever situations he gets himself into. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. That just kind of occurred to me um, in the sense that one of my concerns with Luca is uh, just like the technical <laughs> foul shit. And that doesn't come into impact every right. single game. It's pretty rare. But um, in the playoffs, it's not great. And so to have a guy like Grant Williams there, I think, to set the tone defensively. And then to also, yeah, I mean, he's verbal and he is a leader on the floor. And I think it can, that kind of presence uh, Dallas not having it in the past nobody is there to like step to Luca and be like dude to win this game we need you to yeah, like you focus cool in you, I, it sucks that the refs aren't doing it and so yeah I think uh, Grant and Kyrie both just having guys that are in his stratosphere as players and that are established Grant Williams isn't like an elite offensive guy but he's played a million playoff games yep. he's played big minutes like you said and so Guys with experience like that that can kind of uh, hopefully cool Luca off in those moments, I guess, uh, that's going to be really good to have. I'm curious, how do you feel about Derek Jones Jr., the pickup? Yeah, I'm just mostly curious. Like, I have no idea how much he's going to play on this roster. Um, I think really the rotation in my eyes is still real, like very much up in the air, even the starting five. I, it's like a tough prediction. There's like three guys that are probably locks, if that, maybe just two, and Luca and Kyrie. Um, but (laughs) Luca made Dwight or has made Dwight Powell look like an elite lob threat. Like, and he has like a six foot five wingspan as a center. Um, like literally, I don't know what it is. Someone needs to do a study on it. I'm pretty sure every first offensive player of the game, we run a pick and roll with Dwight Luca and try to go for that lob. And if Dwight Powell's catching those, I can't imagine what Derek Jones Jr. is going to do with that. Um, so I'm not sure how much he's going to be playing. Um, but I think, if he can establish that chemistry with Luca, at least for 10 to 15 minute spurts throughout the game, um, that'd be really cool to see what their lob connection is like. Other than that, like, I don't think he brings a ton defensively and he's obviously not really a creator on his own offensively. So I don't have super high expectations for that. Mostly um, just hoping to be surprised by him. Yeah. I had a similar thing written down just in the sense that, I don't know. I I think I'm higher on Jones defensively than most just because I'm a sucker for guys with like a stupid wingspan and crazy athletic tools. And a lot of it comes down uh, to discipline and uh, basketball IQ, which I mean, those aren't his strongest suits. And it's not like he's going to have like a super elite rim protector backing him up. That's going to let him just like do whatever he wants on the perimeter. But I did think it, it could be cool. For like those little spurts, like you said, 15 minutes a game, him and Luca, it almost gives not to keep fucking bringing it back to Jokic, just like two white guys <laughs> talking about Luca and Jokic but... right now. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I know. It, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, it just kind of gives like the vibes they could develop a similar connection to Aaron Gordon and Jokic, just in the That'll sense that Luca's really good at getting. Get into the basket, mm-hmm. stopping and like letting the, all the defense blow by him or whatever. And anyone who recovers off that stop, if it's Derek Jones Jr. guy, him cutting to the basket, right. that's that's like a really good. Uh, if he can figure out how to consistently make that play while being an above average defender, I think he'll carve out a spot for himself on this lineup. Just uh, in the sense that Dallas, the silver lining, if. Uh, Luca and Kyrie click together is that they will be able to play guys who aren't 
big factors right. offensively because yeah. you have so much of the offense taken care of that you can mm-hmm. let guys on the floor who will just like make up for whatever deficiencies those two mm-hmm. have defensively. So I see the vision with what they're doing there, but it is far from a guarantee. Like yeah, and you said. know, like that's like one of the biggest question marks again is our bigs rotation. So, you know, Derek Jones Jr. could average like one minute a night. He could average 25 in my mind. Um, <laughs> I think that's kind of fun coming into the season that there's actually some real competition for who gets those minutes. It's kind of unfortunate because it's mostly like pretty mid players, uh, but maybe someone steps up. Um, who knows who that is uh, and kind of takes that lead four or five role for our team. Yeah, dude. I don't know. The bigs, it is, it's tricky looking at it. Cause you have, I mean, maybe one of the young guys, like you said, I'm not super tapped into Omax or anything. I haven't watched a ton of film. He's big yeah. on the forums. I was poking around. Everyone's pretty excited mm-hmm. for his upside. And he's definitely one of those guys, uh, that you could play who's a non-factor offensively, but especially for big guys, they can elevate a defense so easily by protecting the rim that I could see that working out. But yeah, between like him, Cleaver, Powell, Rashawn Holmes, everybody, it's so up in the air. Like you said, I don't really, it's a different. Right. And then our other rookie, uh, Derek Lively, Jason Kidd has already teased at him starting at the center. Um, which would be like pretty insane, but supposedly he's supposed to be like this Tyson Chandler light. Um, he's been working with him in the off season because he's on our coaching staff. Good at catching lobs, a decent rim protector. So yeah, we'll see with that. Hey, that's one of the benefits about being in this position. Uh, drafting is when you're at number 10, you're in a good spot to get a guy who can, uh, come in and impact immediately with he doesn't have a super high ceiling but can come in and make the plays that you know he's going to be able to make yeah that makes sense I guess and uh yeah I think Lively is definitely one of those guys or a guy in that vein and Tyson Chandler's a great guy to work out with he fucking rocks so hopefully yeah I don't know if you could draft Tyson Chandler magically Yeah, dude. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the offseason, it's it's tricky. Um, uh, there is just so much stuff up in the air, and you have to kind of – all you can do is wait to see how these moves uh, shake themselves out because when you're playing so many new guys in rotation, first of all, the first quarter of the season might just be like building continuity with these new guys, and it might not get off to the greatest start. Conversely, you might find a unit that you like right away and that uh, the rest of the league doesn't have a ton of film on. And when you have two elite creators like Kyrie and Luca, who honestly haven't even shared the mm-hmm. floor that much, those can often take the league by storm for the first part of a, a season. So I don't know. Um, they could be good. They could be bad, I guess. Yeah. My rambling. Point. Yeah, floor is pretty, not pretty low because Luca brings that up, but floor could be 10 seed, ceiling could be like honestly one or two seed in my opinion. So. One or all right, let's just get fucking into question number three for you. I want to know what the expectations are like for the next NBA season. A surprisingly nice season, a disappointing season, and what you think a reasonable prediction would be for Dallas. Surprisingly nice. One or two I mean, seed. one or two Golly. seed would be like that. We it's a perfect season for us, which I think is is in the cards, but yeah. I give it like less than a ten percent chance of happening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that, 
a perfect season, and then you would probably still need a shit season, uh, like a Kevin Durant right. injury and shit like that. And yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. What I have written down, a reasonable expectation, I have him uh, nestled into like the 6-8 seed range. A surprisingly nice one, because I think the 6 seed is going to be decided super late. I think a surprisingly nice one would just be like, Getting the four or five yep. seed, avoiding play-in talks entirely, just like avoiding that stress, knowing who your matchup is going to be and being able to prepare for that moving forward. And disappointing, I think the lower half of the play-in, uh, in even into missing the playoffs, which I I feel like that would shock me if they completely <laughs> it shocked me last year we did it. But the lower... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it did. It kind of... You hit that moment in the season, and you're like, "Oh shit, are they really yeah, going to do this?" And then they did. So, yeah, we're going, we're going for that pick. But yeah, the lower half of the play-in tournament, I think, would be a disappointing outcome to the to the season, especially if Kyrie or Luca miss extended time. Yeah, with an injury. absolutely. Yeah, since we got Kyrie and Luca for hopefully this whole season, um, pending health, I think, like you said, realistically, like the, I would be very happy if we were like a four or five seed. I think we are in that like probably that tier two in the West, like the middle of tier two in terms of teams. The West is like just very interesting this year. Um, stacked kind of as always. A um, lot of teams that could be really good. A lot of teams, like most teams in the West think they're going to make the playoffs. And I think the Mavs are better than like half those teams. So yeah, like four through six seed would be awesome. Stay out of that play in because we do not want any part of that. But at the same time, I'm very confident that like, if Luca is in a make or break play in game, he should win that. So, yeah, definitely. And it's it's a lot uh, nicer when you're in competition with some of these other teams that think they're going to make the playoffs. Having Luca, I mean, it's such a obvious truth, but at the same time, having one of the best players on the planet who really is, I think he's going to have an MVP caliber yeah. season next year, if not outright win the award. If they take the four seed, I think he could easily right. win the MVP award. Um, and so when you have a guy like that having a season like that, um, I'm very confident uh, that they will outclass a lot mm-hmm. of those other teams that are like, oh, no, our, our chances of making the playoffs are good, I think, when you compare them to Dallas. Especially because Luka, he takes so much shit personally, it Definitely. seems like. And so to miss the playoffs entirely, uh, it feels like he will be very motivated to come back and have a very high-quality season yeah. right from the jump. Yeah, and apparently, you know, they, they like to say it every season, but he should be in the best best shape of his life coming into this year. Um, so if that's true, you, you experienced this with Jokic a few years ago um, where he finally got in shape and kind of started a really peak. It complete it changes the dynamic of the yeah. team entirely. And I think that's a spot where Luka, I mean, uh, it, it could happen for Dallas just because when you're not spending, I don't know, 18 games or whatever, kind of fucking around getting back into shape, it, I mean... That's something where you start to your teammates see you taking it more seriously, and as the best player on the team, everybody around you kind of coalesces and they're like, "All right, well, let's focus the fuck up." And especially with a big off season full of moves, I think it's easy to see uh, Dallas is trying to change yes, the culture a little bit away from, yeah, away from whatever it is. I don't know how to describe it exactly. It's kind of like 
an intermediate team to a team that's trying to be as competitive as possible right, right now. Yeah, we were a team just a couple seasons ago that, you know, made it to the Western Conference Finals, which is crazy, and, like, came back from uh, – beat the Suns in seven games, which is insane. Um, but like you said, just, like, Luka starting the season in shape is a game changer. I, I do envy him that he comes into every season out of shape and still averages 37-7 and seven somehow. Uh, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. But if he starts the season in the best shape of his life and can uh, – at least put in some effort on the defensive end, and I think we're in good shape. Yeah, that's a that's another tricky thing too, is because he was a bad defensively mm-hmm. last season, and you you tend to excuse it in that scenario where somebody is expending all of their energy just to keep the team yeah. afloat on the offensive end or offensive end and things like that, and so. I think this season, when you have surrounded him with the tools to be a capable team defensively, as far as like wing depth and stuff like that goes, I'm not sold on the center rotation as we've kind of talked about. But there are the team should be better defensively. And so when you've surrounded him with the tools like that, then behavior uh, and like defensive tendencies that he showcased last year become a little bit less excusable. You want, especially getting help from Kyrie on the offensive right. end. You want everybody to at least buy in and show yeah. effort on defense, and he wasn't necessarily yeah, doing exactly. that. All right, now um, it's kind of hard looking forward uh, to what the trade deadline would be like next season, because as we've touched on already, there's a lot of stuff up in the air with Dallas. Um, is there a midseason trade that you would want or expect the Mavericks to make next season off the top of your head? Um, absolutely. There's a there's a, a couple guys that like Mavs Twitter and myself personally have been like after for years. Um, one of those guys, he's always in trade talks. And if we landed him, it'd be a miracle. But he's actually a Dallas native. And that's Miles Turner. Um, uh, good rim protector. He gets a lot of blocks. I don't think he's as good of a defender as the stats say, but he is a better defender than anybody um, on our roster, um, or at least better rim protector than any rim protector than anybody on our roster. Uh, then Clint Capella is another guy we've always wanted to see in Dallas. We saw what he did next to Harden, and I could hope that could look similar uh, next to Luca. And then after this uh, Celtics trade, I'm curious what the Blazers are hoping to do with Aiton and Robert Williams on the same squad. Because uh, Robert Williams would be a sick guy to have in Dallas on this squad. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the four I have written down, I have um, Miles Turner right. right away. I didn't realize he was yeah. from Dallas. So He's a Dallas guy. Adds, I, the fit, the fit. It's an amazing rocks. fit. Stretch yeah, so five. That, that protect the rim. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good. That's the dream, and I see the vision with that. But then also, I think. Uh, Clippers get dissatisfied or the Pelicans get dissatisfied. I think Zubats or Balanchunas would be better than Absolutely. what's going on in Dallas. No Those guys aren't necessarily what you would think of as like good rim protectors, but having a legitimate seven footer and especially um, pick and roll yep. partner for either of the elite guards, because both of those guys have super soft hands can catch passes, not big lob threats, but you get them in the pick and roll, they can finish uh, those plays a lot of the time, which can't really be said for the Dwight Powell's of the world as Absolutely. much. 
But yeah, dude, um, Robert Williams, that's a super interesting look because, I mean, you're already kind of being like, fingers crossed, we can be healthy when you have a guy like Kyrie Irving on your yeah. team. Um, and I think that would only be made exponentially more of a factor if you were to add right. Robert Williams. But as far as skills go, I mean, whenever he was on the court in big games for Boston, it was just like, holy yeah. fuck, this guy. I mean, if he could stay healthy, he is a force. Yeah, no doubt. As a rim protector, as a help side guy, like hedging screens and the pick and roll, all sorts of stuff. And so he could really help uh, make up for those deficiencies with Luca or Kyrie that I already touched on just because he's so good at like kind of roaming mm-hmm. around away from a big and stuff like that. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Damn. The, uh, the bullet I had – um, after just finding a more legitimate, like, go-to big man was just, like, I don't know. I think any moves to be made will probably wait for the off season, unless, like, a just magical player yeah. becomes available at the deadline. Because um, you want uh, – you need to develop chemistry and continuity after making, like – four or five new free agent signings yeah, exactly. this offseason and barely getting it established with Kyrie. And so, yeah, I don't know. For every other team, I feel like I'm almost too imaginative with like what they're going to trade for and shit like that. But with Dallas, I really see uh, a path forward for them to let the work they put in this offseason yeah. pay off by just believing in these guys yeah, that they got. Yeah, that's a good got. point. Yeah, and I think truly the only like huge positional need is that center position. Uh, but one other guy that comes to mind is uh, with Miles Turner, Turner could come in a package, I don't know, is Buddy Heald, just because having shooting like that on any team, especially next to Luka, Tyree, would be um, amazing. It wouldn't help our defensive woes, but offensively, if we had Buddy Heald, <laughs> uh, we're dropping 150 every single night. So, <laughs> Yeah, dude. That, uh, I don't know, it's tricky. Um because I see a, I see a timeline where this Dallas team uh, just kind of commits to the Sacramento Kings mold of we're going to fucking outscore yeah. you. And if that bites us in the ass in the playoffs, it's fine. But that, yeah, if you snag Buddy Hield in that package and then you're rolling out, yeah, lineups like that with a guy like Seth Curry off the bench, I don't know, hypothetically, if you if you manage to hold on to yeah. him through that trade or whatever, that's a team that is yeah, very no guarding that. offensively. And so... <laughs> Everyone's scoring on yeah. it, but no one's guarding the, until... <laughs> It's pretty much whoever gets the yes. ball last is winning the game. Um, yeah. All right. Um, mid-season trades. Yeah, we're good to go. Um, which player – this one's tricky for this uh, roster. Which player are you looking forward to seeing progress the most this upcoming season? Yeah. Obviously, it's not like progression because their first season, but obviously, I'm super excited about the rookies we have. Already hit on that. Um, I don't think they'll be consistent parts of our rotation for a while, but I think Jason Kidd isn't afraid to experiment with them from what I've heard. Um, so excited for that. But the number one player, easily, that I'm excited to watch progress is Josh Green. Um, like I said, he was playing on the Australia team in FIBA. Um, he's one of the leaders on that team with, you know, Josh Giddy, Patty Mills, which is kind of cool to see. Um, but I think he should be our starting three. Um, he brings that energy. I think he's capable of being put on um, the first or second best offensive player um, 
on other teams every single night just because he has that energy and he's not going to do a lot offensively. So he can chase those guys around on the defensive end. And then he's really capable of making the right cuts. He's a high IQ player. He can hit shots when needed. Um, so last season we saw a huge step up from him. And if we could see another one, um, I think he could even – like this might be some bias coming out, but could be like a most improved candidate for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't I'm not uh as sold on the MIP yeah. <laughs> odds quite yet. Uh, I will I will happily be wrong on that. I'm totally fine if he has a big year, but I think yeah, he's the guy I wrote down as well for this. Just in the sense that um, if you we've talked so much about defenders being allowed to play because Luca and Kyrie are so good offensively, he's the guy on the roster that is capable offensively while being a very yep. talented defender. He is a legitimate 40% on like four and a half-ish mm-hmm. three-point temps a game, which uh, that's that's pretty good. It's not insane volume, but it's a quality three-point shooter, especially for a guy who brings what he brings defensively. And so if you get him out there in addition to Luka and Kyrie, then you're alleviating those guys even more who aren't capable def- or offensively because it's just an additional right. swing pass into an mm-hmm. open shooter. And it, it, it allows them, I don't know. Yeah, your lineups become a lot more yeah. versatile when you have a 40% three-point shooter out there. Super hot take, super <laughs> scorching analysis is that it's actually good when you have guys hit their shots out you there. Win. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You score yeah, points. Yeah, so obviously Josh Green, super excited for. And another guy we haven't talked about at all, which I feel like has to be mentioned today, um, and another guy I'm excited to see progress. I'm not really sure what it'll look like in this rotation again because – everything's up in the air, but Jaden Hardy, um, or yeah, Jaden Hardy, he went viral this week for a weird laugh. He had a Kawhi level laugh on media day. Um, I don't know if you saw that one. It, <laughs> I, it turned out it was like a dare from Dwight Powell or something, but he made it happen. Uh, but he looked really good. His it's kind of cherry picked, but like his plus 36 or per 36 numbers, um, were really good compared to other rookies last year, which is kind of Kind of random, but interesting. When he was in that rotation, offensively, he's really making an impact. The thing is, our guard rotation, I feel like, is you know pretty set with Luca, Kyrie. You feel like you need to play Seth Curry, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Once again, who knows? But he should be in the game if he's on the roster. Uh, so excited to see what he does this year if he gets minutes. I think he's a very uh, valuable piece to this team going forward. He also could be um, not like. A high value trade chip, but someone that a young team would value to have on their roster if he's not getting minutes on a team like the Mavericks who are, you know, trying to make that uh, jump to make the playoffs and win some games in the playoffs. So, yeah, excited to see what he's like. Yeah, Hardy, mm. Hardy's good. I, I think he'll I think he'll pan out. And it is tough. Um, always seems to work out that way. When you get two really talented guys on a team, then you start finding – a bunch of promising young guys at the right. exact same positions. And so you're like, yeah, if he could carve out a spot um, with how kid has talked about starting lively and everything um, that doesn't make me like, I think it's possible that if someone's playing really good, they could overtake Steph Curry on, on the depth chart. Yeah. Seth Curry, not Steph. Curry. <laughs> I'd take He's Steph. probably not getting overtaken, but <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going with Steph over Hardy. He might yeah, start over Kyrie there, too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah um but i don't know as far as beyond luca and Kyrie, 
Uh, you have big names on the roster, but nothing is set in stone if a guy has a yeah. breakout season. And I don't know. Sophomores, they're capable of doing that. When you have a full off season of league training, there are guys who can take big steps forward in a small amount of time. So, yeah, Josh Green and Hardy are two big ones for me. I also wrote down Luca here. I feel like it's obvious, but I think um, I would love to see, now that he has legitimate help, some of the flaws offensively that are kind of overwritten because he's his backpack has just been yeah. fucking massive for like 18 months now. Like anything he does wrong, you're like, okay, well, he's going to do everything. So some of the things are not going to be good. But uh, things like mm-hmm. shot selection, things like um, his, his off-ball ability as far yeah, as like no catch doubt. and shoot on threes and things like that. I if he takes steps forward in those areas, holy shit, it becomes so much more difficult right. to guard him because even last season when he wasn't doing those things well off the ball, like he's a good off ball mover, he gets himself open, things like that. He didn't have a ton of opportunity to do that with uh the exactly. people that were on the roster, but I think yeah, if he takes steps forward in the areas of his game where he's not particularly strong offensively, that is nightmarish to think about defending. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Luca. I think it's going to be a big Luca year. I know another hot. <laughs> yeah. Day. Like his numbers aren't going to get better. Cause he averaged like, I think it was 32, eight and eight, like absolutely unbelievable numbers. But like you said, it's those small things, his off ball movement. He's not going to be, you know, Steph Curry off ball, but if he's like moving around, hitting those threes that Kyrie creates for his teammates, including Luca. Um, that's huge. And then you mentioned it. Some of the shot collection, shot selection specifically in the clutch uh, has been really bad. Like he hits a lot of them, but if you watch <laughs> all 82 games of the Mavs, sometimes you see Luca get the ball five seconds left and you just know we, we lost the game, um, which is crazy to say about one of the best players <laughs> in the league who I think is capable of being very clutch. It's just some of the shot were not it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm not going to say it's unfair, uh, because he is one of the best players on the planet. You have to hold him to the standards yeah. of that. But you, you see them inbound the ball to Luca and you see the way the defense adjusts. And yeah, like you said, you kind of just know in your stomach. I wasn't like tuned into every game, but I saw a number of those where it's just like, it's going to be impossible for him to even get mm-hmm. a look right now, just with how the defense is like adjusting, knowing that he's not moving exactly. this ball. And so I think, yeah, that's um, shot selection in the clutch. And to avoid getting into those scenarios, I think uh, him being able to play off Kyrie yeah. is going to be big next season because Kyrie is such a steady guy down the stretch as well. And you don't want, it's one thing to put up a bad shot at the end of the game, but uh, another thing is like putting up a bad shot with like a minute 30 yep. left in a uh, in a possession where you really need a good look. That was something that routinely happened for Dallas last year that I think uh, the changes they made, there should be yeah. better looks down the stretch. And so I think that'll that'll help everybody because if the team gets better, Luca's MVP odds get better. Everybody's happier. Winning is yeah. fun. And so, yeah, I think. Uh, I think that'll be a good. Yeah, thing when it comes that. down to it, it's like that that Luca Kyrie chemistry. It affects uh, every aspect. I think of our game and our team on the court. So if they can find that and start clicking, I think we'll be rolling. Absolutely. All right. The last question I got for you today 
is what team do you think is winning the NBA title? I have not discussed the last time I did, I did it with Joel okay. Moran a couple days ago, and that was right after yeah. the Dame trade. But now we have Dame moved and Drew Holiday moved, and so there's just a lot. A lot of shit is rapidly changing. How you feel? Yeah. So I might just be a hater, but I'm not. I'm not sold on uh, Jason Tatum as a first option on a true championship level team. I still think it's like five guys in the league who can do that, and he's not one of them. I know he's made the finals, you know, more than Luca, won more playoff games, but still. Um, that is the most yeah, Luca fan take it is, I have it ever is. heard. I have to say, <laughs> absolutely. But no, uh, see, I see where you're yeah. coming from, though, because like. If it's a seven-game series, Tatum will have five games where he is mm-hmm. that first option, and then he'll have two games where he's like 35% from the field, 19 yep. points per game. And it's just like, what the fuck, dude? We can't and, – and the Celtics have been able to right, survive that uh, and like make deep postseason runs. But now that uh, they have kind of sacrificed some depth uh, in exchange for these very high-caliber players who are only going to fill a certain role – I think if Tatum has those games, it could be a lot more costly for them in this postseason. So I, I get where you're coming from a little bit as a less biased guy, but yeah, right, I, yeah, I know what you're some, saying. That's some Luca bias, no doubt. But um, I do really like Drew Holiday too. Um, I think he's actually becoming underrated as a playoff performer. I know his um, efficiency gets a little bit worse in the playoffs or a lot worse if you've seen like the graphics and stuff, but his defense and just um, – his IQ in the playoffs is so huge for that Celtics team and just veteran leadership, someone who's won the final, someone who's been in those scenarios. But still, um, I'm going to have to go with Milwaukee. I feel like it's a pretty basic take, but Giannis and Dame, uh, that's terrifying. I, I, I picture them playing the Nuggets in the finals. Um, still a basic take, probably the two best duos in the league, Jamal and Jokic versus Dame and Giannis. But I see uh, the Bucks coming out on top there and Giannis getting another one. Yeah, dude. I don't. Yeah, basic. Basic is fine. It's. It's at this point. I mean, I'm in. Like, we're not in the hot take no. business on this podcast. <laughs> we're just talking. And I mean that it's. It's normal. Like that makes sense. I think. Uh, like you said. Uh, I. I uh, agree. I troll online. If I'm sure somebody might pull this clip and pull some receipts. Drew Holiday's efficiency has been a topic on my Twitter several <laughs> times before where I'm just like, this guy fucking sucks in the playoffs. But um, in terms of I was worried he would go somewhere where his defense would not be the complementary piece to an elite defensive unit. And then in that scenario, his offense matters yeah. a lot more. I think with Boston – um, they can go away from him and he won't be asked to do what Milwaukee was doing in terms of perimeter right. creation. And his defense absolutely is the capstone to that unit. They were already really good. And I mean, depending on the health of their yeah. front court and everything, Al yeah. is old, Porzingis is sketchy. But I mean, yeah, yeah. If they can make it though, I mean, that is a fucking tough defensive unit to go against. But at the same time, deep in the playoffs, uh, star power does tend yeah. to matter a little bit more than things like that. And I know we just saw it from Jokic and Jamal, and I would not be surprised to be wrong at all here. But uh, on paper, Damon Giannis seems like the duo that not only is the best star power, but they work together. Complement each other great, yeah. With how they both like dominate. 
yeah, different areas of the floor that you can't get to at the same time. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm not mad at that take at all. I think uh, Denver, Milwaukee, totally reasonable yeah. prediction there. I want to say the Mavs, but uh, I don't think I can bring myself to say that. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. I think uh, realistically, if – well, first of all, just getting back to the right. fucking playoffs. After missing it, that it will feel very good. And I think they – that's a t- – like if that's a – set or uh, if that's a first-round matchup for a higher seed, that's a brutal yeah. first-round go, yeah. man. Because, I mean, seven games, beating Luka is yeah. different. And in the playoffs, if you he's, get into he's a playoff even better somehow. With him. Yeah, and so I mean, if if Kyrie he hasn't gone to like 2017 postseason levels in a while now, but if he can get back to that playing off of Luca, that's a brutal fucking first round draw for I mean, especially if a team like the Kings gets another top three seed or something like that, or the Suns get in there and they're not very healthy, their depth hasn't worked out or something like that. I I could see the Mavs pushing a high seed to a lot of games, if not overtaking them. So, yeah, I think Mavs, not finals (laughs) yet, but I think uh, as far as like um, establishing uh, patterns that Luka Don, that will get Luka to stay and things like that, and communicating that he's going to have a competitive team around him, I think they're on the road to doing shit like that. So, yeah. All right. Um, that's really all I got for you today. Is there anything that you want to plug now that you have this? Uh, n- not much. Just follow the NBA facts on TikTok. That's about it. Hell yeah. I will put the link to that in the description of this YouTube video. I'll tag you when I drop the promo and all that shit. Uh, everyone who's listening, thank you very much for tuning in. And I will see you guys in the next Thanks episode. Peace. Yeah, no problem, man.